Hey everyone, this is Peter Vantine at First Love Ministries. We're so glad you could tune into the First Love podcast with Mark Fee. Today we continue one of Mark's pre-recorded sermon series entitled, When Under Great Pressure. So let's get right to the message. Here's Mark. And then there's this amazing moment where Paul said, 2 Timothy 4.16, he says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and the Gentiles might hear it. Not only was Jesus present by his spirit, but it seems in this specific situation, I don't know how, but it seems that Paul's saying that the Lord stood by his side. Amazing. Amazing. But it's not the only way that we receive comfort directly by Jesus, directly by the Spirit, to help us rely on God. But sometimes, God will comfort us through one another, the body of Christ. Listen to what Paul says here. 2 Corinthians 7, 5, he says, For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. How many feel that way even presently today? harassed on every side, conflicts on the outside, fears within. And again, this is the Apostle Paul who knew the Spirit, who knew Jesus, who knew the power of God, and yet again he's having experiences just like you and I, where it was really hard, harassed, conflicts on the outside, fears within. How did he get through it? Well, he says this, but God who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Isn't that awesome? It comes also through one another. And it comes through the provision sometimes that we provide. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. That must have been painful. For when, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. For I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And therefore, my God will meet all your needs according to his purposes and his great riches in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul's just saying, man, when you guys gave sacrificially, when the Lord used you to be my provision, he promised that you do that, and he says he will supply all your needs. He says that similarly in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where he says, and I know that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that all times in all things you will have all that you need that you may abound in every good work. That's one of those that I love to hear from the Lord himself to say, Mark, I am your provider. I am the God of grace. I am the God of grace. 
And I am able to make all grace abound to you, son, so that in all things at all times you will have all that you need so that you can abound in every good work. God will provide for you. He will be present with you. He will send people to you. He will send them with concrete things, expressions of love to take care of you, and that's the comfort of God. Yet when I was driving up today, he reminded me of another verse. Hear this one from just the Father himself. It comes out of Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and following. Lamentations is Jeremiah's writing, and it's Jerusalem has been under this long siege. They're starving to death. They're even beginning to eat their own flesh and blood. It's horrific. It doesn't get any lower than this. Talk about great pressure. But then he says, in the middle of that chapter, he says, but then I call this to mind, and I will have hope. Because of your great love for me, I will not be consumed. Your mercies, your compassions, they are new every morning. They never fail. Great is your faithfulness toward me. Therefore, I will hope in you, Lord, because you, O God, are my portion. And that was another one. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with the Lord in difficult times, and I just hear him say, Son, call this to mind, and you'll have hope again today. Because of my great love for you, I won't let this thing consume you. My mercies, my compassions, they never fail. They're new every morning. Great is my faithfulness toward you. Therefore, wait for me, because I, Yahweh, am your portion. Do you feel the comfort in that? Do you feel the hope in that? The encouragement in that? Now, there does come a point, though, where sometimes we actually need to hear the hope of heaven. Actually, in that one, the way the Lord helped me to start getting this stuff into me so when pressure came, I could respond quickly was through the acronym HOPE. Heaven, opportunity, power, prayer, and empathy. But he helped me to really practice it in reverse order. How many of you know that one of the, again, great intention, but worst things that can happen to you is when you're under great pressure and somebody goes straight for the H, this hope of heaven, and say, hey, hey, but be of good cheer. Like, I know this really stinks, but like heaven's out there for us. And you kind of go, I know that's true. (laughs) No, it really needs to come in that order, I believe. We need to show people the empathy and the comfort of God first and then pray and ask for the power. Then we can start thinking about the opportunities and especially the hope of heaven. But there is a hope of heaven, folks. And sometimes that's the only thing we can hang on to when it gets so rough. Remember Jesus said this in John 14, 1, trust in God, trust then also in me. I am going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you so. But in my Father's house are many rooms. And I'm going to come back and take you to be with me where I am. There is a place when all of this pressure is going to be gone. Listen to Paul's little longer form of that. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 7. He says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. 
Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And then he keeps on going. Now, Paul said this in another place that we're probably a little bit more familiar with, and that's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, right? He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. But I can't. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. Hello, when would any of us be torn? It's like God at the first opportunity to get out of here, let's go. And as though he even had a real choice. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Jesus. To be out of this tent means to be in that heavenly dwelling, to be with, together with the Lord. Hmm, I wonder which one I want. But the reason why he can say that is because he says to live really, really, really is Christ. And he says when I live, I get to experience the power of Christ, the presence of Christ, the comfort of Christ, the love of Christ. And then I get to experience all that as I continue to do the things for Christ. And he says I have so much fun doing this that he basically in the next sentence says, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to stick around because you need me and it's really fun serving you anyway. So I guess I'm here. Okay. Boy, wouldn't you like to get to that point? To live as Christ, to die as gain, that you could actually be torn. It's like, man, but staying here, there's a way I get to experience Jesus that I might not experience in heaven. I get to experience his power, his presence, his love, his comfort. I get to experience watching him change people's lives and heal them and transform them and make them new. Staying's pretty good too. Boy, wouldn't you love to get to that point where you really actually felt that tension? <laughs> what would I choose? Well, the last thing. This was really fun for me personally from the Lord this week. I have known Romans chapter 8, verses 32 and following for years and years. I've had it tucked away in my heart. And most of the time I've heard that one personalized too. It begins, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? And for years, it's another verse that when things are really hard, to be able just to sit there and hear him say, Mark, listen to me again, son. Okay, Dad. Mark, if I, your Father God, are for you, who or what can be against you? Me, who did not spare my own son for you, but gave him up for you, will I not also, along with him, not graciously give you all things? Who will bring any charge against you whom I have chosen? It's I who justified, pardoned you. Who will condemn you? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, is raised to life and is sitting at my right hand, not charging you or condemning you, but interceding for you? Oh, wow. Thank you, Father. Say it again. Mark, if I am for, <laughs> and I'd do it again until I started hearing it and believing it. Well, this week, what was slightly different because of this whole series is that perhaps I actually heard it maybe best in its own context with Paul, where, see, he's speaking to a people out there. So he says, if God is for us, but then I thought about him in light of everything we've been listening to and looking at him, I thought about him saying that verse on his own behalf. 
where I could just imagine where he's experiencing the love of God through comfort, through those gifts that Epaphroditus brought. He's experienced the love of God through Titus coming. He's experienced the love of Jesus when he stood right there by his side. He's experienced his power and his weakness. He's experienced all that stuff. All that power, all that thing in love. And maybe now he's in the midst of a new struggle, of a new, I mean, he was in Rome, you know, he was in prison, he was in the house arrest. So here he is. And now all of a sudden I heard him saying it almost like, <laughs> Booyah. Woo. But I couldn't help but thinking that that was like kind of Paul's attitude at this moment. Like all this stuff's going on, but to live is Jesus and his power and his love. And it's like he just pauses for a moment and he says, Father, you're right. If you are for me, who or what can be against me? You who did not spare your own son, but gave him up for me. How will you not also along with him not give me everything that I need? Who will bring any charge against me? I know they're trying, but you're the only one that has the right to charge me, and you didn't even charge me. You chose me and justified me. And who's trying to condemn me? I don't care what they say. The only one that has the right to condemn me is Jesus. And he's not condemning me. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's at the Father's right hand praying for me. So I ask you, who or what would dare try to pull me away from the love of Jesus. Go ahead, Satan, bring it on. Persecution, famine, troubles, hardship, nakedness, danger, the sword, cancer, half a paralyzed body. I don't care, bring it on. Besides, the text says that we face death all day long for his sake. We're considered as a sheep to be slaughtered. It's normal. And then he says these most incredible words. No, he says, go ahead and bring it on because I know that I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Boorah! Oh, but it's like he's not even done. Because then he's thinking... Okay, persecution, trouble, hardship, nakedness, danger, the sword. And it's like he's in the middle of this prayer. He's saying, go ahead, enemy, because I am more than a conqueror. And then it's like he says, yeah, I'm more than a conqueror through you who loves me, Lord. In fact, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor, nor any powers, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor... Anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now tell me that ain't cool. All I know is I ain't there yet. But by God's grace, we're going to get there so that we can stare the devil straight in the face. Go ahead. Give it your best shot nothing is going to pull me away and separate me from that love. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's podcast. For additional resources and to learn more about First Love Ministries, you can visit us on the web at firstloveministries.org. Again, thanks for listening and God bless you.